It's Thursday, October the 8th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, the vice presidential debate and Eli Lilly's COVID-19 therapy. First, the world in brief. Mike Pence and his challenger for the vice presidency, Kamala Harris, squared off behind plexiglass shields for a debate televised from Salt Lake City. In contrast to the recent slanging match between President Donald Trump and Joe Biden, theirs was an orderly exchange of thrust and parry. Ms. Harris sought to hold Mr. Pence and the Trump administration responsible for America's COVID-19 crisis. Mr. Pence argued that their opponents are too liberal. He dodged a question about whether, were the Biden-Harris ticket to win, there would be a peaceful transfer of power. President Donald Trump tried to salvage hopes that the government would soon provide a fresh round of financial assistance to mitigate the effects of the pandemic. Shortly after tweeting that his administration was abandoning talks with congressional Democrats over a package causing stock markets to drop, he called for some partial measures. $1,200 checks to individuals and new aid for some businesses. Eli Lilly applied to American regulators for emergency authorization of its new COVID-19 treatment. It says trials show the therapy using two antibodies helped patients with mild to moderate symptoms, reducing viral load, symptoms and hospitalizations. Meanwhile, Mr. Trump promised to make some of the drugs with which he was treated but which have not received approval free for Americans. The president called his brush with COVID-19 a blessing from God. Poland's anti-monopoly watchdog fined Gazprom more than 29 billion zlotys, $7.6 billion, for building the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline without its permission. The Russian state-backed energy giant, the world's largest producer of natural gas, said it would appeal. The project is controversial in Europe over fears it could increase the continent's reliance on Russian gas. A congressional report on big tech accused Amazon, Apple, Facebook and Google of abusing their market power. It also suggested that American antitrust law needs to be reformed to change the company's behavior, for example by forcing them to restructure to stop them using dominance in one area to harm rivals in another. A Greek court declared Golden Dawn a criminal enterprise. Members of the self-proclaimed fascist party were accused of involvement in several crimes, including the murder of an anti-fascist rapper, Pavlos Fissas, in 2013. Thousands of people have been protesting against the group. Police deployed 2,000 extra officers in anticipation of expected rallies and fired tear gas in clashes. And the buyer of a stolen calligraphy scroll by Mao Zedong, said to be worth 2.3 billion Hong Kong dollars, 297 million US dollars, cut the manuscript in half. It had been stolen last month from the Hong Kong flat of a renowned collector and sold by the thieves for 500 Hong Kong dollars. The buyer, assuming it a forgery, snipped it to fit a frame. And now, here's today's agenda. Stymied stimulus, American fiscal policy. To cope with the pandemic, America has already passed the world's most generous fiscal stimulus plans, both in absolute terms and relative to the size of its economy. Yet most economists were dismayed when President Donald Trump appeared to call off talks on a new package, though he did then confusingly appear to support some stimulus measures.
Jobs growth is slowing. Unemployment remains at a still high 7.9%. Millions of people are having to make do with America's miserly unemployment insurance system. Quite why Mr. Trump called off the talks is not clear. Perhaps he worried that some Republicans could not be convinced by the administration's own proposals. Another package may have to wait until next year, either when a newly re-elected Mr. Trump uses his political capital to force one through, or, more likely, when President Joe Biden signs into law what would probably be an even bigger programme. Left by Southwest, how Arizona went blue. Fresh from their vice presidential debate, both Mike Pence and Kamala Harris, as well as Joe Biden, will be in the Copper State today. The vice president will appear in Peoria, a suburb outside Phoenix, Arizona's state capital, while the Democrats will launch a bus tour towards Flagstaff. Such locations have been chosen to target two important groups of voters. The first is suburbanites. A recent New York Times poll found Mr. Biden nine points ahead of Donald Trump in Maricopa County, which surrounds Phoenix. For Mr. Trump, that is a 12 percentage point decline from his winning margin in 2016. The second group is Hispanics, who account for roughly a quarter of eligible voters in the state, up from a fifth in 2010. Since they favor the Democrats, such a shift has helped to turn the state light blue. Next month, Arizona could elect its second Democratic senator and vote for a Democratic president for only the second time since 1952. Time to die, cinema's struggle. Fancy a night at the movies? Tonight is your last chance for a while, at least at Cineworld. The world's second-largest cinema chain is closing its American and British theatres until further notice. AMC, its bigger rival, is to reduce the opening hours at some of its British branches too. The reason is simple. There is next to nothing to show. Studios are sitting on their new productions until more markets, notably New York and Los Angeles, open for business. With No Time to Die, the latest James Bond film pulled from its November slot, no big release is due until Wonder Woman 1984 hits screens on Christmas Day. Many theatres may not be able to wait that long. Seven out of ten small American chains risk bankruptcy, according to one lobby group. Even AMC and Cineworld are running perilously low on cash. By the time cinemas reopen, there may be a lot fewer of them. Women's work, COVID-19 and employment. Delegates from around the world will gather virtually today to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Global Summit for Women after the physical event was postponed twice because of COVID-19. The summit, dubbed Davos for Women, attracts a star-studded mix of political and business leaders and focuses on advancing women's economic status worldwide. That mission has taken a hit this year. Although men are more likely to die from the virus, women have borne the brunt of the financial impact. Women represent 39% of employed persons globally, but account for 54% of job losses, in part because they are more likely to work in hard-hit industries such as hospitality. School closures have also increased the burden of childcare, which tends to fall on women. But some hope that recent behavioural changes, such as the normalisation of remote working and flexible hours, will ultimately help gender equality rather than hinder it. Splicing and Dicing – The Nobel Prize in Chemistry 
This year's Nobel Prize in Chemistry was awarded to Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer Doudna for their work on genome editing. Like humans, single-celled microorganisms are plagued by viruses. Their immune systems, however, display a neat trick. Once certain bacteria have fought off a novel viral infection for the first time, they snip fragments of DNA from defeated invaders and append them to their own genome, the better to recognise the same viruses in the future. These fragments are called CRISPR arrays. Doctors Charpentier and Doudna recreated these bacterial tools in a test tube and by doing so created a revolutionary new tool that scientists could use for tightly controlled bespoke gene editing. Their work has contributed to new cancer therapies and may ultimately cure inheritable disease. With equal shares of the 10 million Swedish krona, $1.1 million prize, Drs. Charpentier and Doudna represent only the sixth and seventh women to win the chemistry award. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Frank Herbert, who was born on this day in 1920. It is not that power corrupts, but that it is magnetic to the corruptible. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.